Take your Bibles, open up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. We've been going through a series called uh, Christmas Through Life Point, uh, meaning this, is that God has called each of us. He's placed on our lives uh, someone in our sphere of influence, not necessarily in your, it could be your family, it could be your work, could be your school, could be on your street, that he wants you to take Christmas to. Uh, and we've been seeing illustrated through the genealogy, through the line of, of uh, Jesus, his, his backstory, uh, the people in his life, and how Christmas came to us through them. Uh, over the last three weeks, we've seen Abraham, we've seen uh, Tamar, we've seen David. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Rahab, and we're going to look at her story and how God used her in the conquest even of a whole city and how he used her and brought Christmas through her, and how Christ is in her line. Now, what you didn't see uh, a lot of times, and I've said this before, and I want to kind of reiterate it, is that in ancient genealogies, whether it's historical documents or whatever, you didn't see a lot of women who were listed in those uh, genealogical records. Uh, because the line of succession for the kingdoms, the line of succession for inheritance, all went through the men. So the fact that there are ladies even listed in this one speaks very highly. I mean, it helps us to know how it is that, that Jesus, how the Lord viewed women and how, he, uh, how we all stand at the foot of his cross on equal ground. And so today we're going to be able to see what it looks like from the eyes of Rahab. And we're going to see the faith that came through her, how she exhibited faith and how it changed a family and what it looks like throughout a nation. Now, uh, oftentimes we get a little nervous when we start talking about people in the scripture. Have you ever, have you noticed throughout uh, these last several weeks, and if you've not heard or, or, or have listened uh, to these messages. I'd encourage you to go back and follow along and catch up because what we see is that whether it's male or female, uh, there are a lot of crooked branches, just to be real honest with you, in the line and in the tree of Jesus. And that should bring some encouragement to us. Some of you right now, knowing that t uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, uh, you've got a little bit of anxiety probably even in your own life because you're about to go spend some very intense time, up close time maybe, with family. And maybe you've got one of those uncles. Maybe you've got one of those cousins. Maybe it's an aunt that you're going, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. And, and if you don't have one of those uncles or cousins and aunts, you might want to look around. It may be you that they're saying this about <laughs> in their family. Listen, we're all in this thing together, and what we can begin to realize is this, is that God uses all types of people to reach all types of people. So with that, let's start reading in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to read the first six verses. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. Uh, and then we're going to go back to the book of Joshua, all right? So you can start getting ready for that. Let's read Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon. 
and Nashan, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, who was the king. You know, uh, wouldn't it have been... Um, I guess maybe you might expect when you're looking at the lineage of Jesus that you would find like perfect people, but there are no perfect people in all of scripture. That's one of the things that I enjoy about reading the scriptures that the Bible doesn't hide any of those things. It doesn't hide any of the fallacies or the, the faults of people. It, 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 it doesn't whitewash our backgrounds. God uses all types of people and that should be an encouragement to us. Uh, now, Rahab is a unique person. R you'll remember a couple of weeks ago where Tamar tricked her father-in-law. She dressed up like a prostitute, and she went and sat by a roadside, and uh, she tricked him into having a child uh, with, with, with her. Rahab is just the opposite of that. She doesn't just dress up like a prostitute. She is, the scripture says, a prostitute. And so this should bring encouragement again to us that God uses, and no matter what our background, no matter the faults, no matter the sin that we have experienced, God uses all of our backstory to point others to Christ. Joshua chapter two. So let's read there. Joshua chapter two in the Old Testament. We're gonna start reading about her story. I'm gonna read some passages. We're gonna do a little running commentary and then we're gonna keep moving. So Joshua chapter two, beginning of verse one, says this, and Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim, scared some of you, I know, as spies saying, it's all right, uh, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where they went. Pursue them quickly for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them in the stalks of flask, of flax uh, that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, uh, the, the, the banks, that is. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Now Moses had led the people for 40 years. He had led them through the wilderness uh, the scripture tells us, I believe it is at the end of Deuteronomy, that when his time had come, they, had, they were on the opposite side of the Jordan, meaning they were on the eastern bank in what is today the country of Jordan. And they were on the Jordan River, about to cross over. The, Lord, the scripture tells us that God allowed Moses to go up on the mount. I think it's called Mount Nebo. He got to look over at the promised land. He didn't get to go in because of his sin, because he rebelled against God and did something that God had told him not to do. Uh, and, but God graciously let him see the promised land. And then in one of the most beautiful, poignant passages in all the scripture is that God 
God, uh, he died there and God buried him, it said, and only God knows where he buried him. Today, people still go to Mount Nebo uh, and try to, uh, as a remembrance, looking over into Jordan. But now the scripture says that there is Joshua, his second in command. Joshua now has taken over and Joshua is about to lead the people into the promised land. The scripture tells us that we just read here, it said this, that Joshua said, listen, I need you to prepare. In fact, I believe this is the end of chapter one the end of chapter one, he says, listen, I want you to prepare yourselves, cleanse yourself. In three days, we're going across the Jordan. He tells a couple of spies at the beginning of chapter two, he says, listen, uh, I want you to go from Shittim, which is across the Jordan. So somehow they must have swam across the Jordan to the city. And he says, I want you to go from here and you two spies, I want you to go into Jericho and I want you to spy out the land. I want you to go and see it. I want you to know, we need to know what does it look like because we're going to go in there. That, the Lord has given it to us. Well, these two spies were not, they weren't Jason Bourne types. They get into the city and they were spotted. They had already been seen, the scripture says. And so when they were seen, uh, they were, in fact, they were seen going into Rahab's house, it says. It describes her as a prostitute. Now, uh, I want you to know that this would not have like necessarily raised a lot of eyebrows because men would have been going in and out of her house at all times. What probably raised the eyebrows were that the people of the city knew these were Israelites. These were Israelites. The scripture is going to tell us, and you're going to see that word had spread throughout all the land, that these people were tough people. They already knew. I mean, in fact, uh, Jericho, Jericho is just north of the Jordan River. And across the Jordan River, which would, it may have been 10 miles, 20 miles, at mi uh, probably around that area, they would have known that the whole nation of Israel was across the Jordan. There, there could have been somewhere between 600,000 and a million people across the river waiting to come across. So they knew, okay, these spies, they've come to see the land because they're going to destroy us. And the king said, word got back to the king and the king sent his men to Rahab and said, hey, I want you to bring them out. Rahab says this to him, says, well, there were two men that came. They didn't stay very long. They, in fact, the gates were about to close to the city. Every night they would close the gates of the cities, those ancient cities. There may have been several gates depending on the size of the city. And Jericho was a large city at that time. The, script, they were, the, the gates were about to close. They took off. Hey, listen, if you hurry, you can probably catch up to them. The scripture says that they took off towards the Jordan River. Now that would make sense because uh, they would, the, the, the king's men would have thought these two spies, they're trying to get back to camp. So we're going to go. And the scripture says they got all the way to the banks, the fords. That wasn't a family name. They got to the banks of the river. Could you imagine being those chasing the spies and you get to the banks of the river and you look across? It's a big river. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a nice sized river. It's not, he, it's, it's, it's not Mississippi wide, but it's a big river. And you get there and you see all the armies right there. That could have been over, overwhelming. Well, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading here. Uh, what you see, start at verse 8. Let's go back to verse 8. Okay, we read verse 7. We're going to read verse 8. Before the men lay down, and do you remember what had happened? She sent them. They really didn't leave. She sent them up to the roof and they laid down. 
She put them under some flax, okay? It says this, before the men lay down, she came up on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land. You need to check these couple of verses here. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all of the inhabitants of the land uh, melt away before you. How many inhabitants of the land? All the inhabitants of the land fall away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and, when you, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you for the Lord your God, underline this, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death, exclamation point. I mean, they're emphatic here. Our lives for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So Rahab has sent them to the roof. Uh, flax is another word for linseed. You've heard of linseed, linseed oil. Uh, it, they use this type of stuff to make linen. They use the, the seeds for food. Well, all of that was being laid out. It was the harvest time, and she, and, and she laid them under it. So when she goes, they send off, they go running after them. Uh, uh, the, the spies, they go running after the spies. She comes up to the, up to the uh, roof and she says to them, hey, listen, we already know. There's uh, everyone in this land, everyone in this city, we know about your God. We've heard what happened at the Red Sea. We know about the, the two kings that had been destroyed at your hand. In fact, here's what I know. What I know is that your God, there is no other God. The God of heaven is the God. This is a Canaanite woman in a city, Jericho, where they had child sacrifice, where they, um, sexual immorality reigned supreme. She, the Lord sent two spies to her, sent two spies to her. And she proclaims, we know that your God is the God, and would you spare my family? She proclaimed there is one true God. And now then, uh, ladies, if you're in here and you're in a family that does not know the Lord, you are a follower of Christ and you wonder if what you do matters, I want you to hear this. Did you notice what she said? She, she interceded on behalf of her father, her father's household and all who were there. Some of you ladies are in here today, you're following the Lord and you're following him uh, and you are trying your best to be a witness and you're wondering, does it matter? I want you to hear, it matters. It matters. 
God, listen, I, I must say this metaphorically. You need to grab a hold of the heart of the Father and you need to intercede and go before him and you pray and you ask the Lord, God, would you save my family? Would you save my father? Would you save my mother? Would you save my brothers? Would you, sa- would you do that? Because what you see here is that Rahab, she went before the father and she, or she went before the spies and she said, listen, I'm interceding on behalf of them. And you know what the spies said? You're going to see the spies say, listen, we will do this. They will be saved. I want you to know your prayers matter. You continue to intercede on behalf of your family and you pour out your heart. Rahab uh, ends up, uh, as she told those spies, this as she told the, the army, they went south, they went, towards the, uh, they went towards the river. She told them, she said, I want you to go to the mountains. Now, when you think of the mountains, I don't want you to think like uh, Gatlinburg. Don't think of mountains and trees. You need to think of limestone because just north of Jericho are big rock crags. There are caves. And she said, listen, what I want you to do is I want you, you head to the mountains you get in the caves, you hide out for three days, and this is going to allow uh, the pursuers, those who would be pursuing you, they'll go and come back, and then your paths will not begin to cross. And she said, and she said listen, when you do that, you're going to come back into this land. I know it, and I'm asking you, please remember me. Please do not forget my family. Keep reading in verse 15. In verse 15, Uh, She says, then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall. Now, when you think of city wall, stop right there. When you think of city wall, you can't think of walls like these, all right? You need to think of like big stone walls that literally could be anywhere from 10 to 20 feet wide, 10 to 20 feet wide, okay? So her house was built into the walls. And the scripture says that she had a window in the wall, which means her back window looked out of the wall. Keep reading with me. So that she lived in the wall, verse 16. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Till the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go on your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear by. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and you shall gather into your house your father and your mothers and your brother and all your father's household. Then If anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in this house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear by. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed. And notice what she says here. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Folks, if you do not see a picture of the gospel here, I'm praying for you during this time. Did you see what it says? It says that she sent sent them into the caves for three, said, "Go, go there for three days. Do you see a picture pointing forward? She says, I want you to take this scarlet cord 
and I want you to tie it into your window. Why do you think it was a scarlet cord? It was a foretaste, a foreshadowing, a picture pointing forward of the blood of Christ that would identify his followers. Listen, Rahab is a foretaste, a picture pointing forward to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she was a part of his line. No matter what her background was, do you realize that she was a woman not looking for God? But what happened? She lived in a city where there was no Bible, there was no church. They were godless. As I said a minute ago, sacrificing children, rampant sexual immorality. But what did God do? He sent two people to her. He sent two people to her. And when they came, listen, they weren't convincing. <laughs> you know what was convincing? The acts of God that she already knew about. And when they came, she confessed. What did she confess in, chat, in verse 11? In verse 11, she says, we know your God. There is no other God. He is the God of heaven. He is the God of uh, beneath. He's the God here of earth. She proclaims faith to, uh, to him. Well, they let her, uh, she lets them out the window, down the rope. And as they're going out somewhere in there, here's how we're going to know where to come back to. We want you to take this scarlet cord. I don't know how big it is, but they say, when we get back into the land, what we want to have happen, when we come into the land, you're going to tie this and hang it out the window and we'll know. What would that be? That would be a sign. That scarlet cord would be a sign that this house is chosen. It is covered. The people who are here, who are in this house, they're safe. Folks, did you realize that today the scripture tells us that we are covered by the blood of Jesus? If you have surrendered your, your life to Christ, the ones that God sent to you to tell you the gospel, when you weren't even looking, when you weren't even searching out, the ones that God sent to you, when you proclaim faith, God, I, I choose you. When he opened your eyes and you responded in faith, the scripture tells us that we were covered by the blood of Christ. And you know what today? The father looks and he sees you covered in, in, the, in the blood of his son. And you stand righteous. And today, I want you to hear me. If there is someone in here, and I know there is, who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he's drawn you here. You didn't just end up here. Someone may have invited you. Maybe you've been coming for several weeks, but I want you to hear this. He's drawn you here because he desires that you would experience the real gift of Christmas. His son. You know the baby that this video talked about a minute ago? What a strong and powerful video. The baby who was sent to us, sent to earth. That baby that we worship, that we celebrate at this time, I want you to know, that baby was born to die, to shed his blood so that all who would surrender, who would submit, for all of us who are called by his name, we are also covered in that scarlet, crimson blood of Christ.
Joshua chapter 6. You can turn over a few chapters there if you'd like. I'm not going to read all of those. In fact, I'm not going to read any of it. Uh, I'm looking at the time here. I want you to go back and read it. But I do want you to kind of see what's happening here. It happened just as the Scripture says. What ended up happening is, is this. The spies go back to the land. The Scripture says that uh, Joshua, they move on to the city of Jericho. Uh, the Lord had already told them, here's what we want you to do. For seven days, you're going to march around the city. Six of those days, you're going to align yourselves. You're going to go out. The trumpeters are going to go out. They're going to announce. There's going to be the Ark of the Covenant is going to go around. And then you're going to march. All of you who are men of war, you're going to march around that city, and you're going to do it quietly. No, not a word's going to be said. Not a word's going to be said. The, the, the scripture tells us in Joshua 6 that the city was shut up tight. All the gates were closed. Could you imagine being in that city? And there's probably somewhere between 100, 100,000 and 200,000 fighting men marching around the city. The city was a big city. But I don't know if you've ever been around 100 to 200. Uh, take Neyland Stadium and double it. On a, on, a, on a full day, take Neyland Stadium and double it. Could you imagine all of those people walking around your city, horns blowing, they're not saying a word. They march around one time, they go back to camp. Day two, they march around quietly, go back to camp. Day three, day four, day five, day six. Could you imagine being in the city walls the anxiety. The, you remember what the scriptures already said, right? Uh, we already know you're coming to destroy us the way that you destroyed the Amorite kings. Could you imagine? Uh, our hearts have already melted. There is no spirit left within us. Could you imagine? Could you imagine being those spies? Where was her house? Oh, there it is. I see the scarlet. Folks, I want you to know, as followers of Christ today, listen to me here, as followers of Christ today, we live in an evil world. The scripture tells us that there is a roaring lion. Our enemy is a roaring lion who is seeking to devour us. He wants to destroy us. He came to steal, to kill, and to destroy Yet, as a follower of Christ, I want you to know that there is an army that is battling on your behalf because of the blood of Christ who is going to battle for you each day. On day seven, here was the instructions. Day seven, Joshua, you're to command the army. Your command is to go around. You're going to blow that trumpet they're going to march. You're not going to say anything, but you're going to do it where you've been doing it one time a day. You're going to do it seven times today. On the seventh time around, when the trumpet blows long, it says a long blow. Do you know that one day Jesus is going to come back and how he's going to come back? It's going to be with the trumpet sound. Folks, do you see how this points forward to the gospel? He says, when that, when that trumpet sounds, you're going to shout with everything that you have. And when you shout, 
the walls are going to come down. And then I want you to rush in and I want you to destroy the city and you're going to burn it. Now, here's what we know. The scripture is true. This happened. On that seventh one, the walls came down. Now, let me make sure you hear this. Not all the wall came down because where did Rahab live? In the wall. She lived in the wall. And can you imagine walking around seven times going, there it is. There it is. The scripture says that when the walls fell, the army rushed in, they annihilated everyone, they burnt the city, except for Joshua told the two spies, go back to the house of Rahab and you bring everyone out. The scripture says that uh, everyone in her, in her family, her father, her mother, her brothers, her sister, the household came out. And at the end of chapter six of Joshua, it says to this day, they have lived as a part of the nation of Israel. And thus far, I want you to hear this, a Canaanite prostitute who did not fear God. God sent people to her. She confessed the name of, of God. She called on him. He is the one true God. Not only did she believe, but she acted. She tied the scarlet cord. Do you read what the scripture says in Joshua in Joshua? Two, he said, when we come back into the land, did you know that there was probably somewhere between 20 and 30 days before they actually came back into the land? It was for seven days they marched around. She could have hung that. In fact, they did say, when we come back in, hang it out. But in chapter two, it says, when, she gave, when they gave the cord, they went down the wall. They took off. Did you see what it said? At that point, she hung the cord out. Listen, she didn't just believe right and confess right. She behaved right. Her, she exhibited faith that the one true God is now the God I follow. And I, wanna, I want you to hear this. For those of us in here who follow, who name the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, did you realize that you're playing the role of the spy today? Just as God sent those two spies to Rahab, he is sending you to someone today, this week, who needs to experience Christmas. Christ worship so that they can know Jesus Christ. And he's sending you. He's calling you. We, as a part of his army, have been commissioned to go. The question is, is will we obey and do what it is that he's called us and commanded us to do? Listen, in the religious world, Rahab would never make it. She's not worthy because of her background. The scripture tells us that only unworthy people make it there because we realize. You remember the story in the New Testament where Jesus talks about the two, the Pharisee and the tax collector who went? And they stood to pray, and the, and the Pharisee said, oh, Lord, I'm thankful that I'm not like him. And the tax collector got on his knees and bowed his head, couldn't even look up, and said, oh, Lord, forgive me, because he knew exactly who he was. And he said, that's the one. Listen, the only unworthy people, and all of us in here today stand unworthy before the cross of Christ, but it is the shed blood of Jesus the baby that we celebrate this season, 
the one who was born to die. When blood was pumping through that little baby, and as he grew, there came a day when he would willingly lay his life down and shed it so that we might be covered in his finished work on the cross. Today, in this room, right here, right here, there are people who you've trusted in all kinds of things, backgrounds, education, popularity, our money, our family name, but you've never placed your faith, your, not just my voice, but my actions. You've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You may have been attending this church or a church for a long time. You may have done all the right things, but your heart is far from Jesus. In fact, it might be like the ones in Matthew 7 when Jesus says, depart from me. I, I never knew you. Didn't I, do, didn't I lead Sunday school class? Didn't I teach a small group? I mean, I gave out bulletins. I, I, that, I. Listen, the question is, is, has your heart ever been changed? Are you faithing Jesus as the only, as the only way for salvation? If there's never been that opportunity, I want you to know there's an old song that says the Savior is calling and the Savior is waiting. He desires, he desires to give you the greatest gift that you'll ever receive. It'll blow away everything you're getting and giving three days from now. And I want you to hear me. It's awesome. It is the most awesome thing when you can surrender to Jesus and know that nothing else is dependent on me. Everything is dependent on Jesus. You know, I've said before, and Zion spoke just a minute ago about we're celebrating the love candle. We're remembering the love candle. I've talked about grace isn't just a concept. It's a person named Jesus. I want you to hear this. Love is not just an emotion. It's a person named Jesus. And if you want to experience real love, some of you are going, I've tried love. You've not tried Jesus. He loves us unconditionally. The question is, is will we come and surrender and submit our lives and say, Jesus, I, I want you Father, I love you and I thank you for the privilege that you give us of being here in this room today to worship you. Jesus, I ask that you would draw men and women and boys and girls to you. Holy Spirit, today, I thank you so much that you are here. I ask that you would confirm all of the things that have been sung today, the scriptures that have been read the, the word and the text here, God, I, I, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would point all everyone to Jesus Christ. I pray that you would draw people from their seats, 
that they might respond, not just with a prayer, but with an action to say, yes, I, I do surrender my life to Jesus today. I'm going to ask that nobody look around. Every, everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. This is stuff that we've not done here in a long time, maybe. I don't know. And I am looking around, and I don't see anybody's heads up or eyes open. Right now, if you're a person who is sitting in here, and you've heard what is talked about, and you would go, man, I need Jesus as my Savior. I've done all these things, or I've just heard this for the first time. I need him. I want that gift. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now so I can see you? I'm the only one looking around. All right. Yeah, I see. Okay. All right. Here's what I'm going to ask. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. In just a moment. Zion and Juliana are going to come, and they're going to lead us. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to, uh, the, the ushers are going to come, the men, the women, whoever they are, they're going to pass our offering baskets. We're going to give tithes. We're going to give offerings. We're going to give these guest cards, all of this stuff. But here's what I'm going to ask. Just as Rahab announced, there is no God but the one true God, the God of heaven is also the God of earth. And then she acted and she put that cord out as a symbol of her faith. I'm going to ask, when we stand in just a moment and we begin to sing, I'm going to ask those of you who raised your hand, would you act on that? Would you step out and go back to the back, out the doors and to the right? Uh, CJ is going to be back there. Kurt is going to be back there. Brandy is going to be back there. We, we just want to, we, we want to encourage you. We want to help you. Maybe you go, man, I didn't raise my hand, but I need to. I, we want to talk with you. We want to pray with you. Would you be willing to say, it's, uh, it's not enough just for me to, to say yes. I, I need to step out. And take that step. Would you do that today? Father, give courage today. In the face of fear, we know that your spirit is with us. And would you give courage to act? We thank you for Rahab. We thank you for the stories. We thank you that she is a part of the, your lineage, Jesus. I'm thankful that you use all of us. And that for each of us, you have someone that you desire us to reach out to, to go to, that you're sending us. Jesus, you said that as the Father has sent you, now you're sending the disciples. And today, we know that you're sending us. I'm thankful that you said, be not afraid. Help us to go. May we worship you with all that we have our lives, our voices, everything today. And it's in the name of Jesus that we ask these things.